eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is with the first pick, the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. This is episode 99, Rick. One away from 100, almost on the one-year anniversary of with the first pick. Maybe Debo uh, will go back and, and roll the opening clips from that show a year ago where things were awkward and you were in the studio. Uh, your muscles are bigger now than they were then, which is quite something to, to behold. It's a but, squeeze ball, just trying to figure out what we're doing next. It just that's, This has really helped my development. <laughs> and your nerves. That's Rick Spielman, of course. I'm Ryan Wilson. And, uh, Rick, do you have a counter that tells you when to change from right hand to left hand to make sure one bicep doesn't get bigger than the other? On the yeah, squeeze no, ball? it's a count. It's a count to 10. I knew it. Look <laughs> at that, Debo. Last year, it was the uh, the clicking pen. You could tell how inexperienced he was because yes. he was – furiously clicking that pen yes and now yet yeah, i have so matured in this business that now i actually have numerous squeeze balls and so this will be over 100 hours with me and debo on our next podcast over the course of the year not counting the other hours we spend together doing the other draft stuff so that's something to think about how you're going whether it's good or bad episode 99 this is gonna be a shout out jason taylor J.J. Watt, Aaron Donald. Name all three colleges of those great 99s. Uh, Daniil Hunter. Oh, Daniil Hunter. Yes, LSU. Jason Taylor, Akron. Oh, that's going to be a tough one. You got it. All right. J.J. Watt, Wisconsin. Aaron Donald. Oh, Pitt. Man, I thought the, Aaron, I thought the Akron one might throw you a little bit because I had to double check. I wasn't sure. Did you know that when I was in Miami with Jason Taylor, I had actually had to go up to the Rubber Bowl in Akron, Ohio for a game to scout. Uh, Jason Taylor went into the Akron Zips Ring of Honor, and I was trying to get back for the game the next day, and Jason Taylor offered me a private jet service to jump on his plane to get back to Miami for the game the next night. So you were in the front office in Miami. He was playing for the Dolphins at the time. You both happened to be at Akron for different reasons. Did you hop the jet ride home? Yes, I did. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, I, I think I told this story on the podcast before, but I, I won't mention the team that offered Rick a ride from the Ohio State Pro Day to the Alabama Pro Day back in March. But that was on the table as well. But Rick, being the, the true team player that he is, leaves no man behind. So he had to go coach with me on, on Delta. We got there at 2 in the morning or whatever. We got to Tuscaloosa. But yes, it was. I will never leave anyone behind. 
that's that is how it rolls. And look, it, 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 that in that moment, the karma paid off because JT gave you a ride back. Um, how good was JT? Did you see him in Akron? Are you? He was already in Miami that's, when you got there. Everybody thought because that uh, potentially tight end because he did some tight end stuff coming out as well. And he was sort of lean coming out. Very lean coming out. Yeah, but he was this first, I guess. I, I won't say first, but more this lean athletic edge rusher. Um, and they drafted him before I got there. So I, uh, which was a pretty good inheritance of him. Yeah, for sure. Uh, coming in, but no great individual, great human being. Uh, I believe he's, he did some media stuff and I think he is coaching it. Miami of Florida, the hurricanes Okay. right now, I believe. Uh, so he's kind of putting his toes into, the coaching uh, field now, but he was the first player that we extended. And in my career of 30 some years that we actually went to an eight digit signing bonus. We went to $10 million. I remember working out his deal on his extension uh, at the combine uh, and we're able to get that deal done. And uh, looked at the people I was working with and I said, I just can't believe we gave someone $10 million to sign a contract. And, uh, now that is chump change. That is indeed chump change. And that was probably around the same time. Cause I remember this a quarter century ago when, uh, what's his name? Uh, a rod, Alex Rodriguez signed the quarter billion dollar contract all guaranteed at the time, $250 million. And I was like, what is going yeah. on? And again, Oh, drop in the bucket. For baseball, anyway. Base, uh, football, that's big money. All right. Anyway, in case I didn't make it clear, that, of course, is Rick Spielman. I'm Ryan Wilson. Uh, not to spoil this moment, but I'm going to go ahead and say it, Rick. You mentioned both uh, both these players' names. Is Jason Taylor a good comp for Daniil Hunter? Uh, I would say similar. Oh, Jason, good. Yeah, I would say that was uh, – Jason Taylor may be a little bit more fluid as an athlete. Wow. Wow. Uh, he was pretty unique from an athletic standpoint. But, I mean, Daniil – He's 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 going to get paid some money after the season, after the the uh, season that he's playing and the stats he's putting up. I believe he's the one of the leaders or right at the top of the leader in sacks this year. Uh, so he gambled on himself and he is going to get paid handsomely for his gamble. Yeah, he'll be using those ten million dollar bills to light his home. That's what. That's how little he's worried about. He's about to make. All right, it's Tuesday, which means it's pop or drop time, where we highlight some performances of interest from last week's college games, starting with the big name quarterbacks. UNC's Drake May lost to Clemson. Michigan's JJ McCarthy didn't lose, but he was uneven against Maryland. And we'll take a thirty thousand foot view of what to make of USC Caleb Williams, who almost certainly has played his last college game. We'll also look at two players who have a case for number one at their respective positions. I won't name the players or positions because Rick will start him and Han. So we'll just learn that in real time. We'll also look at uh, the rookie quarterback performances and rank our top five overall rookies from week 11. And also because we do it all here with the first pick, uh, take an updated look at the draft order and focus on what the Patriots should do, which with what will almost certainly be a top five pick. But before we go any further, Rick, if you're watching us on YouTube at NFL and CBS, you can see on the official with the first pick draft countdown board, what we got. We have 156 days until the 2024 NFL draft and 56 days until I can actually not be as nice to Ryan Wilson on this podcast as I am every Tuesday and Thursday when we do this. Man, this this countdown board is moving at breakneck <laughs> speed. Hey, Ryan, <laughs> talking, talking some numbers. I just looked it up. 
since last year, we have podcasted for a whopping 374,918 seconds, which comes out to 104 hours together. 104 hours, Rick. Yeah, that's uh, that's quite a feat that we can all stay together. And Debo hasn't strangled me yet, or you haven't strangled me yet for 104 hours of work put together. But on a serious note, though, it's it, this has uh, been a blast. And without Debo, not that I'm blowing smoke up Debo, but uh, <laughs> it's going to be done without him, regardless if you like him or not. Uh, <laughs> you couldn't I can go, only whole, go so far, Debo. I'm sorry. Really goes so far. That's Rick's way of saying that you're doing a great job, Debo. Debo does do a great job, and I think he he appreciates the ribbing, especially now that the Eagles won on on Monday night. And I'm sure he he was oh happy to celebrate. Yeah, just catch the balls. That's all. Oh just gosh. Catch the ball. Oh. And the the thing is. Yeah, we don't have to go down that road. But the thing is that it, the Eagles were catching the ball, so you can't make the excuse that the weather was was affecting both teams because it, it wasn't. And they did all that without A.J. Brown having a good game. Uh, Jalen Hurston win with his legs. Um, he did. He scored that touchdown, but he didn't run as, as he usually might. But whatever. That's a conversation for another time. All right. If you missed it last week, Rick and I did a little live mock draft on the show in real time, four quarterbacks went in round one, but perhaps not the ones you think. I also talked to Will Anderson last week about the Texans season to date. That team is going to the playoffs. It looks like C.J. Stroud and future first-rounder and former teammate, Alabama edge rusher Dallas Turner. As always, check out those podcasts in the old feed. And remember, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Nominate an FBS or FCS college player who is draft eligible and will evaluate his draft prospects on an upcoming show. By the way, Rick, someone sent a tweet to Debo trying to catch the name of the Toledo cornerback that you love so much that we talked about at the end of last show. Uh, Quinion Marshall, is that Quinion's last name? Mitchell, I believe. Quinion Mitchell, thank you. Yeah, he made my top 50. You watch him, and you liked him, and we'll be talking about him more. So if you want us to, to talk about one of these players, FBS or FCS, draft eligible, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll do it. Finally, if you like what we do here, be sure to tell a friend. If one of your buddies has a team that's no good and is already thinking about the 2024 NFL draft, this is the show for them. Uh, the Buffalo Bills aren't in that conversation, but they fired Ken Dorsey last week. The Steelers might be in that conversation. They fired Matt Canada hours ago as we do this podcast. Uh, perhaps too little too late if you ask some Steelers fans, but uh, that's something to, to keep an eye on if you go through the rest of the season here. And if you don't mind, take a second to hit the old thumbs up on YouTube, NFL on CBS. That's another way to help the show and spread the word. All right, Rick, let's do it. Starting a little late here, nine minutes in. Glad that was football talk, though, Debo. First things first. Little pop or drop time. Let's go to Clemson, South Carolina. Tigers started off slow during the year, lost to Duke, had their ups and downs. Dabo had to get after Tyler on the radio show. And since then, things have turned around. Yeah, ever since he yelled at a fan. It's <laughs> Tyler's like, calling every week. Yeah, they had to pay that fan for getting on Debo because something changed in in that whole that whole organization, that whole that team, uh, since that fan got on him and Boy, they should have probably called earlier in the season. If you talked about Matt Canada, should have been gone earlier in the season. This Tyler, who called <laughs> in to that radio show, should have called in way earlier in the season after the Duke game. I think. Uh, I think and, that was uh, Tyler. Different story. I think Tyler is going to speak uh, in August to Clemson next next fall to get that team motivated for the year. <laughs> okay. He's now in the. Yeah. He will be the uh, yeah, team speaker coming in. Absolutely. Yep. As for Drake May, 16 to 36 for 209, a touchdown and interception. He was sacked four times. And when I went back and I watched it live and it 
looked not great. I went back and watched the all 22 and it looked a little less, not great, a little better. I think the offense is not helping Drake may, um, he missed some throws, but they were anticipation throws. And I don't know if the wide receiver wasn't running the exact precise route. Uh, sometimes when you throw too early, the ball doesn't go exactly, exactly where you want, but you understand the intent. Um, he didn't make some good off platform throws down the field to Tez, uh, Tez Walker. Uh, Nate Wiggins, the cornerback, also had that big interception towards the end of the game. We'll talk about Nate Wiggins a little in a second here. I just keep coming back to this because the conversation this season in the NFL, Rick, is Bryce versus CJ. CJ's lifting the players around him. Bryce is not. And you can argue why that's the case. I don't know if Drake is going to go to a bad situation and uh, lift the situation around him. He's going to need help. And you can say that about a lot of quarterbacks, but I just don't like him enough to take him over Caleb if we're talking about the the on-the-field stuff. Yeah, no, he's not. I, I would go Caleb then him, but one thing I would say is there were drops. Uh, they do not separate except for Tez Walker. There's no uh, skill guys that I think, you know, we talked about the little slot a couple weeks ago, one of the five-star review guys, but I think he's just uh, just a guy, a Saturday-type pick. Uh, that interception that you were talking about, the receiver did not come back to the ball, so I put it more on a receiver because Drake May throwing with anticipation, expecting that receiver to come back down the stem or come back towards the quarterback on that hitch route, whatever that crappy route was on the sideline. And that's more on the receiver than it is on the quarterback. But the one thing is Drake May does make plays with his legs, and I think he's a little undervalued as an athlete for how big and how fluid he moves and made some plays. And then he had some drops too. But – when you're anticipating or like he does, likes to get the ball out of his hands before the receiver makes their break, that's on the receiver sometimes to make sure that they're in the right spot. And they just don't have enough talent around him except for maybe Tez Walker uh, to to help him. Like last year when you watched him, when you broke down, you know, we saw downs, you know, uh, they he had some playmakers around him to help him out. This year they have nothing. And – there's still winning games. I think, you know, the, the Clemson loss may have knocked them out of the top 25, but they were in the top 20 most of the season because of him, not because yep. players around them. So, yeah, everybody wants to get hard of them and look at these stats, but look at the tape. And I actually didn't see the game live, but I did watch the tape, and I was pleasantly surprised. Why is everybody getting all over this kid? Because the stats look not like they should, but – those stats would be different if some guys caught the ball, some guys got separation, and some guys did the right things other than him trying to do the right thing. Yeah, I like to watch the game if I have time, unless it's an Iowa game, in which case I forgot. I didn't I didn't know about Cooper John losing the game, but that's that's another conversation. But what happens when you're watching the broadcast version is you see an errant throw, and you just assume it's on the quarterback because sometimes you miss so badly, you don't understand that the route was run. You don't know if he's throwing with anticipation or not. You don't see those things. You don't see the route. And then you go back and you either feel better or worse. I did feel better about Drake. And I don't want to make it clear. Like, Drake is QB2. And I think he has a chance to be a really good player. But I just push back on the narrative that he's a clear-cut QB1, which is some of the the media talking points. And I just don't see that. And I'll just note this because I like to look every week at this. Uh, He held the ball longer than Caleb Williams did in Caleb's game, final game probably of his career against UCLA. Caleb was actually thrown on time consistently. I almost felt like a concerted effort to do so. One other thing I want to ask you about about Drake, Drake, because I, I started to pay attention to this this year, 
watching CJ Stroud in the pocket. His feet are so incredibly calm, no matter how much pressures it. Like he is, it's insane how calm he is in the pocket. And you see other quarterbacks, Josh Allen, for example, has incredibly happy feet. He's a great athlete, can do things few other people can do, but he is not calm in the pocket. Drake feels more like Josh Allen, while Caleb, despite all the things we talk about him off platform wise, feels more like CJ in that his base is pretty solid in the face of pressure before he decides to, you know, tuck it and go. Yeah, no. And, but Drake has, uh, they both have issues with getting pressure on him pretty quickly. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> lose early in the down. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I just, I think Drake is going to be a really, really good quarterback at the next level. And uh, regardless of your negativity towards him, I think he'll be better than that. <laughs> I think he's going to be good too. See, I was nice, wasn't I? 56 days. I just, like said, I just, I think your negativity may be going in the wrong direction on him. I need to redirect my energy. Yes. All right. Well, I think I know where you're going. Pop or drop? I think he's a pop. I'm going to give him a drop. It's just, it's not entirely his fault, but we have to go one way or the other. He's played much better than this. He is dragging that team up and down the field offensively. I get all that, but I just wanted a little more. But again, he's a top three pick. I only say top three because Marvin Harrison could go number two if a team doesn't want a quarterback or trade out. That's the only reason I'm saying that. All right, next up, the guy threw the interception to, Nate Wiggins, talked about him over the summer. He was my CB1 over the summer, and we both agreed that he wasn't really tackling anyone. I think he feels like he's made an effort to try to stop, start popping people coming downhill. Plays yep. with a ton of confidence. I, you, I get the sense that you like Tez Walker, the UNC wide receiver, a little better than me, and I say that because... Tez did not separate consistently enough for me, but is that a function of Wiggins playing so well and being as fluid as he is, or is that something else? I think it's a little bit of both, but I think Wiggins uh, is a tremendous athlete, and he's one of the top athletes at the corner position coming out this year. And just watching him, I went back and watched all his games because I didn't have a great feel for him, but I really thought he had fluid hips. You can see the burst. A couple of times when guys got behind behind him you see that second gear chasing guys down so not only do i see the speed i see the effort he doesn't quit on plays which i really like which tells me about his competitiveness as well and some of the diva corners uh wouldn't give that kind of effort on the tape and then you say well clemson's having the season they're having yet this kid's going out there and competing every week which i'd like that and i gave him a a, a, a check for a plus in that area as well uh, the only concern is you're right. I mean, the tackling, he does get a little, little, uh, lazy, um, uh, out of his transition when they do play him in some zone coverage. I think it's just technically just staying, staying focused and, and, and sound on that. I think I can say the same thing about, uh, Denzel Burke out of Ohio state who I watched this week as well, who I think is a corner that's going to be climbing up some draft boards as well. Um, the tackling, he is not afraid. So he will come up where his misses are as he does need to add strength and bulk. It's when he shoots low or they get, he's trying to arm tackle and he just doesn't have the strength to bring him down all the time. But if he has an opportunity to hit you, he's not afraid to come up and hit you. So I don't think he's a coward. The guy that, that, Skill set reminded me a little bit was when Elam came out of Florida. I thought he was a really good cover guy, but yeah. he wouldn't hit a soul. And I didn't think he was as competitive. 
So I was expecting when I went back this week to watch him, is he's got, does he have traits of Elam, who's kind of been a bust up in Buffalo as a number, as a first round pick? I think this guy is more competitive and even a better tackler, more than willing as a tackler uh, than Elam showed when he was at Florida. So I, I was pleasantly surprised after going back and reviewing all the tape this year. And he feels like speed won't be an issue once he decides to run somewhere. He looks plenty fast on tape, right? Oh, God, yeah. This yeah. guy can fly. So is he scooching ahead of Kool-Aid McKinstry for you at Alabama, or do you still got to think about Kool-Aid's it? Kool-Aid's just more consistent. I don't think Kool-Aid's going to run the way he runs. I just think Kool-Aid's so technically sound. And yeah. he may not have the speed, but he doesn't get beat on top because he knows when to turn. In any corner that's usually getting coached or DB that's getting coached by Nick Saban is going to be ready to take the next step or it's not going to be that big a jump for him when right. he gets to the NFL. Um, I'm just trying to think of the comp because I always come back to Joe Hayden who ran in the four sixes, I think, and he, I think he was still a top 10, top 12 pick, had a long NFL career, but he was so technically sound from Jump Street that certainly helped his longevity and playing at a high level. All right, so that's a pop pop. I'll just say it for you. Can't imagine Nate's getting a drop with the way he played in that game with a game-deciding interception. No, but it was the receiver's fault, not the quarterback. <laughs> you sound like Pete Prisco standing up for Will Levis. <laughs> hey, boy, we're talking about him later. Yeah, he had a couple old turnover-worthy plays. We'll get to that in a second. Um, not entirely his fault in his defense and Pete's, but either way. Another quarter I'm going to talk about here, going to go to old Michigan, J.J. McCarthy. I've said it throughout the fall. I, I didn't see – on tape, the first-round ability doesn't mean he can't be a first-round type player as he gets into his NFL career because guys certainly improve uh, as they do those things. But I keep coming back to he doesn't throw with a ton of anticipation. His accuracy is all over the place. I think he struggles with layering the deep ball, like getting enough air under it. A lot of times he's just throwing lasers out there. And uh, he's missing open-ish receivers and guys that are NFL open. He's a great athlete. There's no doubt about that. But I can you sell me this – used car of a first round pick is what i'm asking you rick well i wouldn't call him a used car he's a young pup so okay this brand new shiny new car smell can you sell me that as a first round pick that needs right. to get broken in a little bit that's so, right needs a few miles on him yeah he needs a few more miles on him to get uh lathered up and uh get going so he's going to have a bigger learning curve uh i do like his athleticism i think he has more than enough arm talent i didn't like especially this last game his accuracy down the field deep I thought he made some poor decisions in the red zone. Uh, and then in Penn State game, I understand that was the game plan for whatever reason to go in and win by destroying one, I think, pass that was a pass interference call against Penn State. That was just a disrespect, Debo. So um, that was just – it's just our our guys are better than your guys and our guys will kick your guys' arse, and that's, that's the facts. So, but um, – he, uh, you know, through that interception, that was the first interception against uh, since the three interception game against Bowling Green, which is still bizarro land to me. Yeah. Um, you know, and this guy has been sacked like five five times, so over the recent games. So I think that he does have the ability to be a first round talent. I there would be a lot of questions through this draft process that you're going to sit down and go and and put up that tape and. Why'd you make this decision or, or what happened here? There's no question about the physical side of it. Cause I think he has more than enough physical ability to be an NFL starter, 
but I think this guy is going to have to take some time and he's going to have to grow into it. Okay. No, that, that all makes sense. So I'll throw some names at at you and you tell me who you're taking first, JJ McCarthy or the player behind door number two, Jaden Daniels. Right now I would take Jaden Daniels. My guy, Michael Penix Jr. Michael Penix Jr. My other guy, Mr. Spencer Rattler. <laughs> I was like, you're going to throw Bo Nix at me because then it gets a little dicey. You're not going to answer the Spencer Rattler question? Yeah, yeah. No, I'll have the people answer that. <laughs> All right, what about Bo Nix? <laughs> uh, Six I, touchdowns I, in the first half last Saturday. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I know. Is it the offense or is it Bo Nix getting that much better? Oh, here we go. So I had a torn between the two. Okay. All right. And look, there is upside to JJ McCarthy. He just said he didn't play a great game and those things happen in college and in the NFL and just things you have to talk about. Doesn't mean he's going to be a bust, but just things that we're thinking about. <laughs> I got to say it because people get angry at you if you don't make sure that you acknowledge So you're it. saying JJ McCarthy is going to be a bust? Did I hear that correctly? All right. That's what that's what'll get clipped. D Debo send that part to social and I'll get crushed for it. <laughs> All right, let's talk about his teammate Blake Corum. And you said you've watched the running backs or not yet for Michigan? Yes, I did. All right, good. I'll be interested to hear what you think about this because um, I don't think Blake has a case for running back one, but I said that in the intro just to make sure people listened. But he's a good running back, and I think he's uh, he'll run between the tackles. I don't think that's his future. You know, he that's reminds of they only run between the tackles. Rarely does he bounce it outside. But I don't know. Is that sustainable to the next level? I guess is what I'm saying. I, I think that he is a uh, what's the best way to describe a. Uh, Spark plug, I guess. Can I give you my comp for him that just popped in my head? Yeah. yeah. Grab your other squeezy ball. Put them in both hands. Say Maurice Drew Jones or someone like no, this that. Is good. I think this is a pretty good one. Who? Uh, Jalen Warren. Okay, that's a very good comparison. Are you Brian serious Walker. or are you just saying that? I'm saying that because I have 56 days to continue oh, okay. to say that. You don't like that comp? That's a pretty good yeah, comp. I, I think it's a great comp. Where, where did Warren get drafted? When did he get drafted? Exactly. Undrafted. So do you <laughs> think this kid may go undrafted? It'd be a great free agent sign. It would be a great free. I think uh, Warren was probably uh, should have been drafted in retrospect. But again, you, the running back position is the running back position. The one you can sort of pass on the most because you'll know you'll find good players. Or is that just a miss in the Jalen Warren case? Uh, I just think I don't think that any of these running backs in this year's class are in the Gibbs or Robinson category. I think no, 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 right. no. So it depends on how you stack your draft board. And I think there'll be a pretty good, I don't think it's as strong as last year's draft class right I, now. Yeah. Uh, but I think the ones that are going to be uh, selected, will get selected sometime on Friday between second and third rounds. Um, Corum to me is a running back. He's not a offensive total offensive playmaker. And he's a very good running back. He has excellent vision. He can uh, squirt through the hole inside when there's a small crease. Uh, he's quicker than fast. Great run balance. Always going forward on contact. Uh, very patient when he gets to the second level. He can make a guy miss. He can stop and start, make defenders miss in space. I don't have any issue. I just don't think he's his speed. He hits top acceleration quick, but I think it levels off when he gets into the open field. Where I have an issue with him as being a complete back is I think he is used and shows very minimal results as a receiver out of the backfield. And I think he's going to be a liability in pass protection. Is he a good runner? 
yes, the, the other parts of being a running back in his game, I do have concerns with those. Because sometimes you talk about players like Blake Corman's a third, a third down back uh, just for offensive purposes, but you don't think about the third down back side of it being a pass protector, and that's sort of the two sides that's of that coin. By the way, I don't think I did it. J.J. McCarthy, pop drop? I dropped him. Okay, I agree with that. Drop, drop. This is the first two-drop day I've had, I think, all season. Yeah, you woke up on the wrong side of the I bed sure today. Did. Depot made me get up early and drive all the way home. All right, Blake went 28 of 94, had two touchdowns in that same Maryland game that they won in the end there. I'm going to give Blake a pop. Yeah, he's a good runner. Everything else, I'll give him a pop as a runner. Okay. Start there, and then we'll evaluate the rest. All right, so let's take a overarching view of Caleb Williams' season to date because – I mentioned it earlier. That team lost a ton of games down the stretch. I think they ended up with five losses. UCLA game, they couldn't stop fumbling the ball. Caleb had an interception on the sidelines. Brendan Rice slipped. I don't even think I didn't necessarily think it was a bad throw. But the off-platform throws that he made, and I watched it live, and I went back and watched it again, somehow continue to take your breath away, even though you know it's coming. And I just continue to be impressed with his competitiveness. And I know that's a big thing with you. Like this team has been out of it for whatever, two or three weeks now. He didn't call it quits. He didn't hang it up. They're still going back and watch the tape. He missed uh, like an, a pretty easy over. He hits nine times out of ten. You could see how frustrated he was with himself for missing that throw late in the fourth get, quarter of a game that was already decided. What what do you what do you take from this season that's lost in the sense they're not winning a national title? And does it affect anything about how you feel about Caleb as an NFL player, his dad's involvement, how any of that off field stuff affects you as an evaluator when you're trying to bring this guy into your organization? Yeah, that's all going to be discussed during the pre-draft process, you know, and you're going to be putting on the tape. You're going to ask him to see why they didn't have the success that they were predicted to have. Uh, how much blame is he putting on the coaches? How much blame is he putting it on his teammates? How much blame is he taking? Like Patrick Mahomes last night in his press conference, oh, and what he said well, it was like you can't answer a question any better. When, yeah, Valdez – uh, Scantling dropped that pass. He said, well, I probably could have underthrew him a little bit more. Well, I don't th know if there's a better pass you can throw in the NFL to win the game when it goes right through the middle of a guy's hands. So I don't know this Caleb as a person or all the other things. Those are the things that definitely are going to have to be addressed during the pre-draft process. The one thing I do know is I saw him step up in the pocket and off, <laughs> not even in balance, threw a 75-yard strike down the field on the left-hand side, and I turned the rest of the game off. I said, what are we doing here? What what, what more do I need to see this kid do? And, if Patrick Holmes had thrown that pass to MVS, they, they would have won the game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and it's just like this guy is so rare with some of the things that he can do. Is there a cleanup? Yeah, everybody has stuff to clean up. But he does some things that are just rare and to make him a unique prospect. And uh, I know Pete Prisco will probably come barreling down here once he gets involved in this stuff, but he is Andrew Luck all day in, day out to me. In terms of that level prospect, not necessarily yes. the play style or the play style too? Yeah, but I think I think he's a better athlete, but I think that level of play is yeah. Andrew Luck to me. Let me throw out this trade trade idea for you. Mr. Oh boy, here we go. Miss Okay, hypotheticals. Love yeah. You're going to love this. So I was talking to our buddy Joe Musso over the weekend. 
uh, who uh, we work with at CBS Sports HQ and who is a avid Bears fan. The Bears have the number one pick, and um, they have another pick in the top five as we sit here. But for the number one pick, if I call you and you're the GM of the Bears, and I'm Omar Khan, and I say, Rick, I'm going to give you two first-round picks and TJ Watt for the first overall pick. Does that do you hang up or do you listen? Um, well, it depends on where that pick ends up being. It's going to be around 14. <laughs> That's my guess. Well, let's wait and see where the pick is because when I look at my draft board and I have eight blue chip players up there, and I'm going to trade out of that blue chip area, although I'm getting Watt, which I know is a you know still one of the top, if not the top defenders in the league, but you got to look at how long he is in the tooth, his durability, how long is he going to go? Uh, and what is our philosophy? Are we going to continue to build through the draft like a la Detroit, or are we going to go ahead and start making some splash type moves? Joe Musso didn't say no immediately. In fact, he was entertaining the idea, which I thought I didn't think it was rich enough for the bears liking, but you gave it a more measured response because, uh, unlike, uh, Musso and me and other fans, you end up getting fired if you start doing these things the wrong way often enough, uh, trading these picks around. But um, the Bears look pretty good on Sunday, so that they're, they're moving in the right direction, and they have those two first-round picks. All right. Some less than ideal news to talk about. Jordan Travis went down in that game for Florida State. Yeah. His career in college is over. He announced that on social media. Um, I didn't look at the injury. I didn't want to see it. I think he broke his leg. Um, but it's, it's bad enough where he's not going to play again this, this, this year. And, uh, his eligibility is up Florida state probably ends up costing him a spot in the playoffs, which is a whole nother can of worms conversation cover three podcast. You can check that out for in-depth talk about that because that's going to be a talking point. But, um, does this change anything? Because medically speaking, I would imagine I'll, would you prefer a, a broken bone or torn ligaments, I guess, if you're an evaluator trying to get a player back and assuming they're going to be healthy long-term? How do you like that question? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, at least a broken bone I know can heal. Right. But usually if the significant of that injury, if it's, you know, whatever he did, it's also going to have ligament damage as well. It's hard to break a bone without having ligament damage, especially in an ankle joint or around the ankle joint. There's, for your anatomy education yeah there's ligaments that attach to those bones oh that's how they hold together yeah so when a bone stresses or breaks like that one did more than likely there's ligaments that are going to be involved in that as well but the one thing that made him a good college quarterback was it his mobility because he's small but he, and he has to move around and you know he's had a great college career i don't know how that would translate to the nfl um, but this is a significant, significant blow to the, to the kid who I'm sure is a great kid. And he just, he's fun to watch and brought Florida state back to relevance after, uh, they've been so down over the last couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. And I can't find the details on what the injury is. So that'll be, that'll determine how things go moving forward, but he's going to be in the draft process. Uh, he'll be in the draft conversation. He has a chance to, to get drafted. I haven't watched him since week one. Do you think he was a day two guy before this weekend? Day three, okay. Because I haven't gone day back three. and watched him. Okay. All right. So, still has a chance to get drafted and still has a chance to play in the NFL. And yeah, I think with this significant of an injury, he's probably going to be a free agent now. You think so? Yep. 
All right. Well, we'll find out what the actual injury is and the surgery that um, takes place, and, and we'll, we'll revisit that. But that was worth talking about because it was a game that didn't mean anything. I can't remember the opponent, but it was a team that they were going to beat 100 to nothing anyway in, in preparation for the, the playoff push here and the ACC title game and all that. So that's heartbreaking on a number of levels for both the individual and the team. But uh, we'll talk about Jordan Travis throughout the process. Um, okay. So let's take a quick break and we come back. Talking about some of these rookie quarterbacks, some who played well, surprisingly. Hello, Tommy DeVito, and some who continue to struggle right after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, Rick. Professor Debo wants a letter grade for these performances as we go through them for the rookie quarterbacks. Let's start with that guy, Bryce Young. Same old, same old. They did try a little bit more motion. I appreciate that. Yeah, they did. In fact, that's how Tommy Trimble got open on the on the touchdown. Put him in motion, yeah. leverage the line of scrimmage, and just throw it in the flat. Hey, look at that. Uh, the rest of the day. They must be listening to you on the podcast. You, listening to you, not listening to me. Um, when you talked about the routes not being run as efficiently as perhaps they should have, we were talking about Drake May and those UNC wide receivers. Uh, that brings me to Jonathan Mingo, who's a rookie of Carolina. Oh. And I don't know what the routes – I don't know what their playbook is, but I know enough to know that the routes he's running I don't think are the right routes a lot of the times. And he seems – I don't know if he's out of his element because sometimes you do better than I do, but rookie wide receivers especially can struggle with that transition. You're coming from that Ole Miss offense where – and I'm not saying Mingo does this, but an Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin wants you jogging on the routes that you're not involved in. That's what they do, and it's hard to figure out what the hell is going on the first few times you watch them. Um, but that offense is different than NFL offenses. And, and maybe that transition is, is sort of slowing him up, but he's not been helpful. Adam Thielen's all they have. He struggles to get open beyond 10 yards down the field. He's pretty dangerous within 10 yards. And after that, tell me who you're throwing the ball to. Lavisca Chenault's back. He had one catch, I think, but he's not a separator. And the same old story. I mean, we could just play what we played last week. Bryce is getting hit in the mouth. He tries to throw with anticipation. He make a mistake. He'll throw an interception. Had the pick six. And, uh, you know, here we are. <laughs> right. So say it's um, – might as well just put a recorder on our chest. And just when we talk about Bryce Young every week, just push button play because we say the same thing. Only thing that I'm going to say is that be patient with this kid. Yeah. Because he's going to be a good quarterback. It looks dreary right now, I guess would be the word. Um, but he does do some things that really catch your attention. And I think the more they get around them, the better he'll be. Um, but he needs some help. 
because I don't think he is like uh, a quarterback that can carry a team by himself. He's going to need some help around him. And when they did do some play action, they actually had him under the center a couple times in some of these and uh, made some nice throws thrown to his left. He missed that throw in the Chicago game, but came back and made that throw this week. So right. you, you, those are the kind of the things you're trying to, to see and, and, and find, you know, the interception. He didn't put enough pepper on the ball. Uh, and, you know, Bland, who has a world record now for pick sixes. Hall of Famer. Uh, made, a, made a great interception and got up and, and returned it. So, He's going to, he's taking his lumps. They're taking their lumps. People are going to be all over him because we think there's a magic pixie dust out there that you just sprinkle on all these guys and make them instant stars. He's going to, he's going through a very tough time right now. But I know the kid, I know that he will take this to heart. I know he'll come back swinging harder than ever uh, as he continues going forward. He will not quit. And hopefully Jonathan Mingo takes that same approach. I'm not trying to j- dump on Jonathan Mingo, but there was a play early in the game well, where Bryce threw right. What are you going to say? Disgusting. <laughs> I can't stand watching guys not play hard. Well, there's well the, cover your ears. Because early in the game, there's a play where Bryce rolled to his right, threw downfield, and it wasn't a great throw, but if Mingo had settled himself and gotten his feet inbounds, had a chance to make the catch, he'd stumbled and fell down and dropped the ball. And then on the interception, and again, this is on Bryce. But if you go back and watch that play, Mingo's running a shallow. He's running a drag route. The ball, when he the ball is thrown, he is on the 30-yard line on his own 30. When Deron Bland intercepts it, he is on the 32-yard line, which means he's shipped, he drifted six feet up the field. Right. You want to either stay on the 30, I would imagine, or even come to the 29. Again, this is on Bryce. Bryce has to make a better decision, better throw. But you can help young quarterbacks out by running more precise routes. And I don't know, maybe the Panthers teach him to do that. I don't think they do, but just something I noticed watching it. And I'm not absolving Bryce of anything. Everyone needs to play better. Um, Debo puts a note in here that's informative, and I would like your thoughts on it, Rick. Trevor Lawrence in year one under Urban Meyer in Jacksonville, 58% completion percentage, eight touchdowns, nine interceptions. He was sacked 16 times. Bryce is at 62.1 completion percentage, nine touchdowns, eight interceptions. He's been sacked 36 times. But there was frustration with Trevor in year one for a number of reasons, starting with the coaching staff. But Trevor's turned the corner, and I think your largest one is that patience is important. Yes, I agree. The patience, and like I said, it will you have to stay positive minded, and I think that it will continue to come, but you can't give up on this kid because you saw his history, what he did at the University of Alabama. I mean, this guy was a Heisman Trophy winner. What he's done on the big stage, it will come. It just isn't going. It's just not coming fast enough for everybody, uh, which is kind of like where you make mistakes if you give up on a kid or don't show that kid that confidence. Worst thing you can do is bench him, in my opinion. Yeah, no, you can't do that. You're, he's, you're, 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 that's not the right decision. Let him keep going and let him keep learning and growing. All right. Um, you're not going anywhere this year, anywhere. Anyway. No. I got to give, I'm going to give him and this entire offense, but Bryce is the quarterback. I got to go D plus. I'll give him a C. Jeez, a pizza. Uh, quickly, let me ask you this. Speaking of benching quarterbacks, Zach Wilson got benched. He's been demoted to third team or behind uh, Timmy Boyle and Trevor, uh, Trevor Simeon. 
uh, let's see, are you having regrets if you're the front office and coaching staff that perhaps you didn't pursue Kirk Cousins or whomever shortly after Aaron Rodgers went down when the Vikings were going south and there were conversations about moving on from him, yada, yada, yada? Or were you just like, well, this didn't work out. We learned our lesson. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think you're trying to give Zach every opportunity to have a chance to have a chance. And maybe yeah. they were too patient, but that's the number two overall pick in the draft. So, uh, yeah. but once you pulled it on him, he was done and uh, he he's probably shot. I mean, he's got to be done in New York. How do you bring that kid back? <laughs> Which so, is what we said last year when he was benched right. on November 20th, 2022. Right. So maybe they were too patient with it. I mean, that's a big blow when you take a quarterback number two overall and doesn't pan out, but you're trying to give him a chance to have a chance. So, but yeah, I would say. I don't know if Cousins would have went because Cousins could have said, no, I don't want to go to New York. Right. You don't know how much cap space they have in order to take a contract on like that. Or, you know, everybody wants to say, well, why don't you do go get Dobbs or somebody like that? You know, well, there's a backstory behind that that I won't share on the air uh, on how mm -hmm. he ended up in Minnesota. But he... uh Dobbs wasn't playing great in Arizona either, right. you know. So, and then he caught Minnesota and great job by their front office catching lightning in a bottle the way Dobbs is playing for him. But there's a reason why Dobbs been on 22 teams as well. The other thing is Aaron Rodgers might not have been happy about someone coming in. I don't know if those conversations were had, but we know that he can be a prickly personality. There, there's been a lot of conversations now. For whatever reason, we'll never know. That's all kept internally in that front office. But, you know, you're probably feeling sick to your stomach that Zach Wilson did not pan out like you anticipated him panning out. That's the one thing I do know how bad that <laughs> feeling can feel. <laughs> you can commiserate. I get it. I get it. All right. Let's talk about something uh, happier. C.J. Stroud. Coleridge Bernard Stroud the fourth. Had three interceptions. Again, I saw the game in part live, went back and watched watched it. The three interceptions, one was greedy, threw it in the back of the end zone, underthrew it. Probably shouldn't have thrown that one. The second one was unlucky on that little shallow, got in the pass breakup, hit the wide receiver in the hands, but it was good coverage. And the third was an anticipation throw that he left uh, inside on an out route. Otherwise, he looked like the same old CJ. He just they, got, they got three times. The issue this game was they were all either in the red zone, those interceptions that took points off the board, or on the high red zone. Yeah. Uh, we're just outside the 20. That's a good point. You can't turn the ball over there. But the one thing about CJ, he never wavered. It never, his confidence never left. And he even said it in his post game press conference I'm going to keep flinging the ball. <laughs> you know, I made mistakes, but that game was a lot closer because of all those points that were taken off the board uh, in the red zone with those. He can't do that there because when you get, if they make it to the playoffs and you're going to start playing some of these good teams, you're not going to be able to overcome that. Other than, I mean, it sounds like a stupid thing to say. Uh, other than those three picks, he played great though. Because <laughs> sometimes you, you have turnover worthy plays and then you have the turnovers and they don't look much different except the defense can't catch. I thought CJ looked to be in pretty good form. He's Other than those three decisions. And he's like a seasoned vet where if he does make a mistake, not only him, but you watch his teammates, you watch that team, they don't waver. They know what he can do. And everybody's going to make mistakes. But because of 
those interceptions, it didn't change the mindset of that team, the play calling, anything, because of the belief that they have in CJ and because of the belief that CJ has in himself. And like I said, when we had him on the Super Bowl stage and when we interviewed him, that uh, I'm giving the brother a chance to uh, to warm, warm up. up. He's, He's warmed up. up. He is warmed up. Debo knows that uh, CJ joins Andrew Luck as only the only top two picks in the common draft era with a winning record through 10 QB starts. I'm going to give him a B plus because of those picks that you mentioned, because otherwise I thought he was on point and some of the throws he made continue to take my breath away. We'll talk about a few more of those throws when we get to tank Dell in a moment, but what's your grade for CJ? Uh, I don't do pluses and minuses. I'm giving him a B. All right. B. So uh, Bryce gets a C. A B for a C for B and a C for B. CJ gets a B. Correct. All right. Next up, Will Levis, thirty third overall pick of the Tennessee Titans, thirteen to seventeen, one fifty eight, two touchdowns, was sacked twice. Um, he's living on the edge with these turnover worthy plays. I get that he's trying to manufacture something out of nothing, and that he has the best arm in the draft, so on and so forth. The touchdown, the bomb to. Hopkins was a little hooky dookie play where he lined up a wide receiver and then double, you know, backwards pass and he threw it to bomb down the field. I get that. Okay. Uh, I don't know if that's sustainable in terms of an offense, but the offensive line stinks. I think he's, he's doing okay. He's making improvements, but I don't know. If, can, what can you take away from Will Levis's three plus games? I guess. What I'm yeah. Asking. Well, if uh, what I took away, if Hopkins was on Kansas city, maybe they won that game last night. Ouch. That's a whole nother. Ouch. <laughs> Whole, whole nother uh, discussion. Um, but he was under duress most of the day. I don't think he gets through his progressions very. I think he's still unsure of where to go with the ball, especially when he's under stress. And then he should have had maybe one or two more interceptions because the ball was pinging around because he just fires the ball, uh, you know, like 90 miles an hour no matter what. And it's going to ping. I know these guys get paid to catch the ball. But, man, you better put on some catcher's mitts or something with the way the heat comes on some of that. I still don't think he has that great touch or the ability to layer things. Um, but I think that uh, I'm, I'm still jury out on him. Uh, and I understand his stats may be a little better, but I went when I watched the tape, I thought he was just average. Yeah. Things are going to be interesting in Tennessee after the season. There's some speculation among media folks that maybe Mike Frabel isn't there. Maybe he goes to New England, whatever. Rand Carthon was just hired as the general manager. I don't imagine he'd be out. So, you know, Will Levis, I'm assuming, is his guy. But when you have change at the top, all bets are off in terms of the quarterback who comes with a previous regime, even if it's the GM stays. So I can't imagine they'll be back in the quarterback conversation. They took Malik Willis in the third round two years ago. They took Will in this past draft. But if you have a top 10 pick, right? Very interesting. Decision time. Golly, it's crazy. You got to have some stability there. I'm going to give Will Levis a C because he it's hard for him to do much with the way the lack of players around him, both offensive line-wise and down the field. I'll give him a C as well. Can't wait to tell Pete you give him the same grade as Bryce. <laughs> I'll tell him. I'd love, I would love to hear that conversation. All right, now let's get to the man of the hour, Tommy DeVito. Danny D. Danny DeVito. Danny doing, DeVito's. Yes, yeah, he's doing commercials on the side. 
By the way, uh, I went back and watched that game for this podcast, and I watched the game live uh, at the studio in Connecticut with uh, Scott Riley, the coordinating producer, a Giants fan. He was so angry that Tommy DeVito was playing well because he just wants to lose so they can get a good draft pick. And Tommy's been playing. By the way, Tommy got sacked nine times, and they still won by double digits. That's never happened in human history, Rick. A team has never sacked a quarterback nine times and lost by double digits like Washington did. That's something that Ron Rivera's got to deal with. But Tommy DeVito had three touchdowns. He should have had four touchdowns. Saquon Barkley is the best receiver on that team is something else that I learned with the routes he ran and his ability to catch the ball. His uh, catch radius is among the biggest for for running backs. Um, Tommy wasn't asked to do a lot, but unlike previous games, he was throwing hitches on time. Uh, He was primarily accurate. And then the deep balls that he had to throw, the touchdown in the corner uh, that beat the, the safety over the top, I think that was one of Saquon's. So Saquon's on the wheel route there. That was a great throw. So I was very happy the way Tommy DeVito played, even if some Giants fans were very angry. Best he's looked and uh, threw some ball. I mean, the arm talent was there and some tight window throws that he made. Throws showed some touch. Uh, he actually, it's either that or I can't make out what the commanders are this year. <laughs> because they go and they can be, almost beat Philly or take Philly to overtime. And then a Giants team who you could have argued and flipped a coin on who's the worst team in the NFL, New York or Carolina, going into this game. And then, you know, Thibodeau comes out and has a big game because they can't protect uh, Sam Howe. And Sam Howe was on fire going into this game. And it's just – I don't understand. It's like watching Jekyll and Hyde every week with the with the commanders there were guys wide open i don't know who they were covering where they busted coverages what the heck was going on but give credit the kid made some plays with his legs he's a better athlete than you think uh he had to make those throws they were accurate throws and he gives the giants a glimmer of hope which may be the worst case scenario for some giants fans but he may end up sneaking another couple of victories here down the stretch if he plays like he did against the commanders. Well, I was telling Scott, uh, the coordinator producer, who's a, I mean, I've never met a bigger Giants fan in my life. They can only have the fifth overall pick. At, at that point, in number five, you're either getting a tackle or an edge rusher. So you're, you're out of the Marvin Harrison conversation. You're out of the quarterback conversation. That's where you are. And you need a lot to go wrong in front of you with uh, the Cardinals and the Patriots and the Panthers to even get in that. Marvin Harrison, Drake May conversation. So you might as well win some games and enjoy it. And like the Texans, sometimes you're not meant to take the player you think you're supposed to take. You get CJ and then look what happens. Anyway, great job for Tommy DeVito. Loved it. Lives at home. Literally lives at home with his parents. Got to eat some meatballs this weekend. Hopefully they threw some steaks on his on his ailments because he was probably sore on Monday morning with all those hits he took. I gave him an A, Rick. I give him an A too. I I, I thought he was from what we saw a couple of weeks ago in the minus nine yards passing output uh, in that rain game in the Snoopy Bowl, uh, Jets Giants game. Um, he was uh, he deserves an A this week. Yeah, absolutely. More touchdown passes this year than Daniel Jones. That has to make you feel good as a Giants fan. <laughs> I know, right? All right, next up. Dorian Thompson Robinson got benched after his start early in the year against the Ravens, where he looked completely and wholly overwhelmed. Went to PJ Walker, who I like to call uh, Yolo Ball Walker. He has never met a pass he won't throw. <laughs> I think they wanted to dial it back a little bit, so they went back to DTR. And here was DTR's task, Rick. 
throw flats, throw slants, throw flats, throw slants, throw screens, run if you have to, don't turn the ball over. He did have one turnover on a tip ball, and I looked it up. He had 43 dropbacks. Of those 43 dropbacks, Rick, how many do you think went beyond 15 yards down the field? Zero. 100% zero. <laughs> and in fact, uh, 70% were either five yards or less air yards down the field. So those are the slants, flats, and screens. And that's all they did. And they said, defense, you do the rest. And the defense did the rest. So did you learn anything from Doreen Thompson Robinson other than he's the world's best game manager? Yeah. The thing that I learned is when it was crunch time, because he's still the inaccuracies that you see, even though he throws the ball only five yards down the field, the inaccuracies that showed up at UCLA still shows up at this game because he was off target on some of these throws. Yeah. But when the game was on the line, he took him down and got him in the field goal to win the game. So I'm giving him credit for that. Absolutely. It was tied 10, 10, the final drive of the game. I think it started about three and a half minutes. He made some downfield throws. Amari Cooper ran a, a nice ride on the slant. They might throw the, the comeback to Mark Cooper as well, either him or Elijah Moore, whoever they caught in the middle of the field, set up the game winner. Dustin Hopkins did the rest, and they deserved to win that game. They are now 7-3 and three somehow. Great win for DTR. He talked to our Evan Washburn afterwards. He had tears in his eyes, and he should have. He was a well-earned win, and I think he, he actually said, I didn't want to lose it, and he didn't. He did what he absolutely had to do. Um, I gave him a B. I'm going to give him a B. I thought about B minus, but B, because he, he wasn't asked to do much, but down the stretch, as you mentioned. I would have gave him a C, but with the winning drive, I gave him a B as well. Nice. Good job, DTR. All right. I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to rip through these five rookies and take a quick look at the draft order right after this. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Rick, let's talk about our top five rookie performances from week 11. I'll read you the names, and then you can tell me, hit the highlights. You don't have to hit them all. We've talked about CJ and, and Tommy already. Number five on my list is Puka Spielman, five catches, 70 yards, and a touchdown. He's back on the list finally. Cooper Cup went out of that game, which is another troubling development, but Matthew Stafford, one of the toughest guys on, on planet Earth, made plays. Our guy Jameer Gibbs is back on the list. Only had uh, 36 yards on eight rushing attempts but had 56 receiving, 59 receiving yards, excuse me, and did score a touchdown. Uh, Jared Goff and C.J. Stroud both went for the double hat trick on the interceptions and, and both got it together and found ways to win that game. DeVito is number three. Tommy D, well-earned there. Number two, I have C.J. Stroud because of uh, his ability to overcome the, the turnovers we talked about earlier. And, of course, number one, his teammate, Nathaniel Tankdale, eight catches, 149. One of the most acrobatic touchdown catches uh, I've seen this season. And I double-checked. 
he was at the combine a hair under five eight. He plays like he's six one. And the biggest thing about him, it's we've seen uh, and we talked about it when we were able to go to the Senior Bowl last year, and you can see it in person how quick he is into and out of his cuts. Uh, and he was the most explosive route runner, even though there were some good receivers down there at the Senior Bowl. The speed shows up. The thing that I've been most impressed with, he didn't have, at least I didn't see any drops this game, where we talked the last week he was on your list, uh, yeah. that he did have a couple drops. But this kid, for a little squirt, um, as tough as nails, when he comes on those deep ends and crossing routes, he is not afraid to take a hit. And a lot of smaller guys, or you see guys that all of a sudden get them alligator arms, this kid has none of that in him. He is as tough as they come uh, for his size and is just becoming better and better every week we watch him. And the explosive playmaking ability that he has uh, for his size is unique for a small receiver like that. Uh, he was a wrestler. We talked about that during the draft process. So that toughness shows up there. And the other thing I was going to ask you, and look, I'm not trying to rewrite history, but just for the sake of conversation, we do a podcast. We talk about the draft stuff. Uh, what do you think the Panthers look like if they had taken uh, Tank Dale in the second round instead of, say, Mingo? Well, that may be a different story with uh, Bryce Young if he was thrown to a Tank Dale. Just the separation, I'm sure, is something that old Bryce misses. But okay. The dog agrees. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, great job, Tank Dale. Did we talk about how Tank got his nickname? No, we didn't. So I heard Charles Davis talk about this uh, in the post-game interview with Joe Musso a few weeks ago after one of the games he called for CBS. And he said that uh, Tank's, his name's Nathaniel, but his full nickname was Tank Head. And they called him Tank Head, his family did, because his head was so big when he was little that his body hadn't grown into it yet. So he had, they called him Tank Head, and then they just shortened it to Tank, which I think is a great nickname. Yeah, well, his body still hasn't grown into the head yet because <laughs> he's still small. But He's, he's pretty he thick. Officially the Tank. He is pretty thick, though. A wrestler, too. Were you a wrestler? No, I was a uh, more of a uh, hoopster, actually, believe it or not. Debo, I want you to guess Rick's high school. St- where he put, What position he played and what his high school stats were his senior season for basketball? Because I don't have any idea. Yeah, no, I was a... Uh, Hold a- on, I want, I want Debo to guess. <laughs> he was a four. Okay, he was a four. So he, you were 6'2 in high school? Maybe six foot. Oh, okay. Six foot. He was a four. What was his what was his strength, uh, Debo? Boxing out. <laughs> Could he, he was like a you know, the typical football player that plays basketball that's a little clumsy, but uh super aggressive. Oh, so not Julius Peppers as a four? No, no, not that sort of uh Actually, athleticism. Yeah, Debo is a little off. He's kind of right. My brother was a four. Oh, he was as a five eleven four. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then I was more of a one or two. You said was... If I was hot, I would be the shooting guard. Oh, I was going to say, I was going to wonder about your range. You can shoot from 20 feet. I was feet? a pretty good three point shooter. Oh, oh well, there you I go. Now, if I was off, I was off. It's either it's like my golf game. It's either all in or there's no in between ever. And but you're, you're 100% the person that keeps shooting no matter whether you're on or off. Is that correct? Till, yeah, till I get benched. <laughs> <laughs> Spielman quit shooting. <laughs> yeah, right, coach. <laughs> All right, what's uh what's your high score in high school? 
I can't remember. I don't stats you, were not important to me. Wins and losses were important to did me. Did you guys have the three point line around? Like was that invented? Uh that would have been back in the seventies. I don't know if it was ABA had the three point line. I know in the ACC in the early eighties during Michael Jordan's year, they they went on and off one year and it was only 17 and a half feet. Uh, I could be misremembering that because I haven't thought about it in 30 years. But um, yeah, that's a good question, Debo. All right. Well, there you go. Rick Spielman scouting report. The scouting report on stopping Rick playing basketball in high school, make him go left. That's a, that's a scouting report on every high school player. <laughs> could you go left, Rick? I had a little issue going left. There it is. I knew it. All right. Also having issues, the New England Patriots. We're going to talk quickly about the top 10 picks in the draft order. Uh, if you're listening, I'll read them out real quick. Uh, the Bears had the first pick from the Panthers, then the Cardinals. Patriots. Bears again with their own pick. The New York Giants at five. Titans, Commanders, Falcons, Packers at nine, Bucks at ten. All right. Not a great season on the field for New England. We saw Bill O'Brien going crazy on Mac Jones on the sideline. Bill O'Brien has a history of uh, letting his feelings be known when things aren't going the way they're supposed to, and he said as much when he was asked about it later. Uh, as we head into Thanksgiving weekend, slate of games, Bill Belichick said he told all the quarterbacks to be ready. And you said it earlier about benching a quarterback. When you bench a young quarterback, you're, you're saying, okay, that's a wrap. And I feel like Mac Jones has seen the writing on the wall for some time. So it, it's going to be a wrap whether he plays or not. I get the sense. But the good news is, Rick, unlike the Giants, the Patriots keep losing and they have the number three pick, which they may have to move it one more spot. But if you're just drafting and no one can trade out, you would imagine right now that the Cardinals are going to take Marvin Harrison at two. So at least you're in sniffing range of Caleb and or Drake May. Yes. You got to get a quarterback, especially if you're this high in the draft. And God forbid if the sky fell out and the two quarterbacks are gone. Okay. Uh, but you're, that, then, you, then you go with the, uh, the Hall of Fame, future Hall of Famer and Marvin Harrison Jr. You have to. You're not asking. You're telling me. You have to. Right. Um, I'm just trying to think about that. Did I, did I mention this last time? You just go get Kirk and then you draft Marvin if that's that's what happens. Kirk's got to be decided before April 25th, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you know, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, you better have a decision made on if you're going to go get a veteran quarterback or if you're going to start over with a rookie again, um, then you better do everything in your power to go up and get one of those two. Uh, no matter if, how much it costs, even to go from three to two. you don't like them, if you don't like them, then don't do it. Then, then just see what you know, see what happens. But I would encourage you to look at the roster once, one more time, and then make sure that you don't like Drake or Caleb before you <laughs> go down that road, because the <laughs> that's a scary proposition. Uh, I know you don't do it. Oh, actually, Debo has a good question. So they also have the thirty-fifth pick. So you take Harrison at Marvin Harrison Jr. at three. You think about uh, a Michael Penix or a Bo Nix or whoever your flavor of the month is. At, at yeah, 35. No, you get, you're going to get a good quarterback, I think, at uh, 35 this year. I think there'll be enough uh, quarterbacks down in that area that you'll get a you'll get a sniff at one of those guys for sure. Right. You so just could, can't pass up a Hall of Famer, and I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is a Hall of Famer. Yeah, you you were right to call me out last week on HQ when I said they should take an offensive line because they do need desperately need offensive line help. But you go down the list of wide receivers helping quarterbacks, both good and bad. Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen, Josh Allen's game was elevated. Tua and Tyreek. I think uh, you think Patrick Mahomes missed Tyreek on Monday night. Yeah, he missed Tyreek. He missed Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah. 
Okay, so you, what are you willing to give up to go from three to two? Oh, I, you have to go back and do a, a pretty in-depth study on the value uh, of what that uh, is up there, but it's going to be expensive, especially if you're going to get a quarterback. And if I'm Arizona, let's say I'm at two, or Chicago, I mean, they already got, what, two top five picks right now? Yep. Top 10, top 10 picks. One and four for Chicago. Right. So if you're going to stick with Justin Fields, which is a whole nother conversation, you can imagine coming out of here with three number one picks, three picks in the top 10, if and then plus future number ones. Uh, that'd be pretty interesting. Yeah. And in fact, Arizona has two and 21 right now. Because they have Houston's pick when they allowed Will Anderson trade to happen last year. So they could have three first-round picks as well if the Patriots have to bargain with them. The good news is that now Chicago and Arizona have reasons to be competitive with one another to allow whoever wants to move up to either one or two, depending on who they like. I mean, there are a lot of moving parts here. Two teams at the top that could trade out if they like their quarterbacks. To move up for one of the quarterbacks, it could be Caleb or Drake. We don't know who they like. The and, dog doesn't like that scenario. He's very upset with you right now. He's had enough. Rick, not two to three, but but three to four. What can you tell us about this deal? Oh, this must be a Rick special. Uh, oh. So 2012, let me read it, set it up for the people listening, Rick. In 2012, you guys had the third overall pick. You you took you gave that to the Browns and Ryan Grixon, I believe, at the time. You went down just one spot. You also got the 118th overall pick, 139, and 211. And Trent Richardson ended up going to the Browns. That didn't work out. Did you know that they were going to take Trent, or you didn't care? I did. Okay. And you didn't care about that. I think you had a running back that was okay. His name was Adrian Peterson. Uh, he he turned out okay. He was all right. That was a pretty good pick. You took Matt Khalil. Jarius Wright, who played for a bit, and then Robert Blanton. I'm not sure how long he played with you guys. He played about eight years. Oh, gosh. Okay, that's a good career. Jarius, so that, yeah, Jarius and Matt Khalil was a pro bowler until his knees got messed up. So that that trade worked out. and it So it feels like a fourth-round pick and maybe a, a fifth and then um, a okay. sixth or so. This was back in 2012. The price okay. of tea has definitely gone up in China. I was going to say, and this feels cheap. team knows you're coming up for a quarterback. Add another bag of tea onto that price of tea because right. they will hold you hostage these days. Yeah. So you you actually um, made out and didn't cost, quotation marks, Ryan Grixon that much. They didn't get the player they probably were hoping they got in, in Trent Richardson, and that didn't work out. But uh, they thought that was going to be the, the piece that helped them, and you guys got a little draft haul and made the most of it. Was that a long conversation, or were you like, yeah, I don't care? Uh, three no, or four? It was, uh, it was um, started out. It, it wasn't Grixon. I believe it was Tommy Heckert that was okay. during that time. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Because Grixon was an Andy when they got Trent. My bad. Right. That's right. So that was started in the morning, Saturday morning. Oh, okay. Or, or uh, th whatever, Thursday morning. And then that continued through the morning uh, until about an hour before the draft that we knew we were probably going to do it then. And then gotcha. pulled it once uh, we were on the clock, but that was uh that was an all morning conversation. Thursday. I was gonna say because you're very serious about time limits once the clock starts, you don't want to be messing around there letting the buzzer no. go off. No. Especially flipping 
nickels or getting this and that at the end. <laughs> Flipping nickels. Uh, oh, actually, it would have benefited you because if the time runs out, then the pick goes right to you anyway. Oh, no, you had the pick. Sorry. I Never mind. Forget, forget what I said. Strike that. All right, that's it. I'm out of my skis, Rick. I, I said too much. We're done. Patriots, if you're at three, trade up and get a quarterback or take Marvin Harrison Jr. Do not do anything else. And then come back and get my guy, Michael Penix, at 35. Franchise saved. All right, Rick, that's it. 99 in the books. Tomorrow on Wednesday. Devo, just to double check, we're doing a little mailbag, a little redraft. Is that right for 2023? No, tomorrow's mail, uh, just uh, just redraft. Oh, just redraft. Okay, so on Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving, is our gift to you. We're going to redraft the top half of the first round. I think picks one through 14. Knowing what we know now, we'll go back to the draft. The instructions will be explicit, not only for the listeners and viewers, but also for Rick, because we don't want any hiccups. Yeah, no, I'm trying to understand the uh, what it actually is. It's who's playing the best, or is it still trying to fill a need? Is it? Uh, Debo, give us the elevator pitch on the way out. If, if you're the Panthers, at number Debo, you're going in and out. I think Rick is uh, taking you hostage. It's it's behind the curtain. Come behind from behind the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're the Panthers at number one, what I think Debo was saying, who are you taking right now, knowing everything that you know? I'm going to take. Well, that's a no brainer. Okay, well that's saving for the podcast tomorrow. That's what we're doing. So we're doing that picks to one through fourteen. I think. I think we're going all the way through fourteen. Okay, so based off of how these rookies are performing, in the same draft order as April of twenty. 20- Without any trades, just right down one through fourteen. And the then- only trade is that the Steelers are trading up to one, and they're taking CJ Stroud. <laughs> Everything else is the same. <laughs> no, that's right. No trades. One through fourteen. We'll talk about that Wednesday. That'll be our Thanksgiving present to you if you celebrate Thanksgiving. If not, it'll be our Wednesday in the middle of November present to you. Otherwise, got anything else, Rick? No, I am uh, excited to do the redraft tomorrow, knowing that uh, I know. So, just so we're clear. Go ahead. <laughs> One through 14, no trades, just as the draft order after the trades were made. So it's just, okay, post-draft, this is how it looked. Yeah. Okay. So it's not like Carolina at number nine where they originally were. I'll this double is- I'll double check Debo's email, but I think it's uh, it'll be... It's post-draft. As, as it happened that night, if I'm, if I'm back in, and I just want to say... Obviously, you're going to knock Bryce Young down, but if you have seen enough to project him out and still kind of see him having a, a bright future, it's not just based on, on 10, 11 weeks. It's it's based on that, but also what you see moving forward. So 11 weeks of football and your innate projections of how good this player will be. Okay. The next- if the draft was held instead of late April, if it was held on November 22nd, 2023, knowing a little bit more than what you know now, how would the order be? Okay. It's, I've never done this in 30-some years before. We just got our ass, arses uh, <laughs> handed to us if we made the wrong pick. So. Yeah, see? You get a do-over. That's That's how the- can, yeah, erase your mistake and pick new guys. That's how the media works. You can do, you can just say what you want, and if you say something stupid, you just pretend like you didn't say it. <laughs> it's a great way to live. Yeah. All right, so we'll do that on Wednesday. Pete Prisco would take Will Levis number one overall still. One hundred percent, out of sheer stubbornness. One hundred percent, just out of sheer spite. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to ask him today. I have to do a podcast with him later. I'll ask him, and I, I think you know the answer. But I'll unveil it tomorrow on the Wednesday show. In the meantime, thank you, Rick, as always. Thank you, Debo, for producing at this early hour. 
uh, in your undisclosed location. And thanks to everyone who watches and listens. We appreciate you. We'll see you here on Wednesday for the Redraft Show. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.